Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. My next guest coming on the show is Tamara Celeste, the home buying coach. She's the number one best-selling author of Buy Homes, Not Shoes or Other Stuff, A Woman's Guide to Buying Her First Home. She coaches women who are looking to buy their first home or invest in real estate, as well as female real estate agents to align their work with their passion. She's had almost a decade of work on Wall Street, and in 2006, she became, got a real estate license and now is a real estate broker and found her passion in helping women buy their first home and female real estate agents. Um, you know, she joined in a time when, and we'll talk about this in the interview that, you know, I was in the real estate industry at the exact same time. And it was a couple of years just before the tumble. So she walked through that. We'll talk about some of that as well. She's also the owner of Sweet Life Realty Group in West Palm Beach, Florida. She's been awarded the Broker of the Year and Global Realtor of the Year. And she sits on two different boards for nonprofits. Uh, one that breaks the cycle of generational poverty among underprivileged youth and the Pace Center for Girls, which is about intervening uh, and creating an educational program for at-risk girls. Amazing. So glad to have you, Tamara. Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am excited as well. And I want to jump right in with you. So the first question I have is you went from Wall Street. What were you doing in Wall Street? And then what prompted you to change trajectory into a real estate career? Why... Was it good? Was it bad? Why did you leave that in 2006? Because that was like the peak of the markets, it seemed like. Yeah. So um, I was on Wall Street. I was fortunate enough to work at Goldman Sachs um, and loved my work at the time, but I felt like something was missing. I felt like, um, you know, I was supposed to be doing more. And I remember one of the pivotal conversations I had with a colleague of mine who was a trader because I, I was a vice president of compliance. And I sat on the trading floor because um, I w walked, watched over one of the trading desks. So I went over and talked to him and I said, you know, is this, Dave, is this something you always wanted to do? Like work on Wall Street, become a trader? And he was like, no, this is not what I always wanted to do. I actually wanted to be a musician, but I have a family now. I have kids, I have obligations. So this is where I am, right? So at that time, I was younger, I didn't have a family, and I just was like, I don't want to get stuck here. I don't want this to be me. I really want to figure out what I want to do. So ironically enough, I'll, I jumped into another, I left Wall Street, and I launched a footwear line. <laughs> and um, so, and it's ironic, because my book is Buy Homes, Not Shoes, and I launched a shoe line. <laughs> so I left Wall Street to become an entrepreneur and launched a footwear line. And fast forward a, a little bit, I then got my real estate license and um, became a full-time realtor. So, so before before fast forwarding too fast, okay. Just curious, was was your feeling okay? So I, I want to leave Wall Street. I'm not passionate about that. I don't know that I'm made to do that. So you looked at things you love, things you're passionate about. And you said, you know what? I've always wanted to make shoes, and you went off on the venture. How did that? Yeah. Like, how do you so, do that? Okay, so I'm six feet tall and I wear a size 12 shoe. So, and I've worn a size 12 shoe and that's pretty large since I was 12. So I always had trouble finding cute shoes as a youth. 
And it was traumatic. I, you know, growing up in the seventies and the eighties, we didn't have the options. There was no Zappos and all those things online. So I thought that's something I wanted to do. That's what I became passionate about. I want to build a shoe line for girls and women who can't find shoes. And so literally I flew to Brazil and found factories um, and hired a designer. I was living in New York at the time. So I went to, I interviewed students at the Fashion Institute of Technology and all, and I hired a designer and we would fly to Brazil twice a month, uh, twice a year and build a collection. <laughs> and I imported them back and sold shoes and traveled around the country to different trade shows. And how long um, did you do this for? I did that for about two and a half years. And, and, yeah, and two after and two and a half, half years, did you, did you decide, Hey, I want to add on real estate or was it, you're looking around going, gosh, I love designing shoes, but do I really want to run a shoe company? Walk me through that process. Okay. So at, up until that point, my, I was married at the time. Um, my, I financed pretty much the, the entire business and my ex-husband did help some. So I was looking at growth and I was talking to investors. So I was selling, I was probably in about 70 to 80 stores around the country, smaller boutiques, things like that. So I was looking to get into the big box stores. Um, and at that stage, to get into the big box stores, you had to have large quantities that you had to foot the bill ahead and pay for the shoes and then get paid 90 days later after they sold. So I needed investors to get to that next level. So I was in talks with investors. Um, but at that time, the market was starting to go down in terms of the real estate. This was like 2006, 2007. So, so the money, the, the beginning of that process. The beginning. So money began to dry up. <laughs> So I had to make a decision and I was like, do I keep going, you know, sinking more money into this in order to build it to the level where I wanted to get it? Or do I just stop for the time being? And I had my real estate license because at that time we had left New York and moved to Florida. I'd gotten my real estate license because we were doing some investing ourselves in Florida. So I figured just go ahead and get it. And I decided to leave the shoe line where it was at that point and just move into something different. So. And, did, and did you plan on like overlapping it? So here's what I did. Like when I became, and people listening, they've heard my story probably before, but mm -hmm. I was a real estate broker running my own office and doing flipping and long-term hold. And I did a lot of properties. And in 2006, not because of the market, I decided I wanted to follow my passion of coaching and speaking and figure that out. And I had no idea what to do. So I quit cold turkey. Like I shut everything down. I got rid of properties. I just like stopped. Did you have like a hard stop of I'm done with shoes, now I'm going to jump into real estate? Kind of the reverse of what I did? Or did you have a transition plan? No, I kind of just had to look at where, where, how much further could I take it? I invested a lot of money in the shoe line. Um, I can see you on Shark Tank now. Yeah, a lot of my, I wish it had existed back then. <laughs> um, so I decided, and, and I just looked at it from a financial perspective and also a personal perspective, because unfortunately around that time, my husband and I had decided to get divorced. And, um, and our, the house we bought the, was going down in value. So everything from a financial perspective, a personal perspective, I had to just look at everything. And I had to decide to, to give that up. But I will say this, it definitely prepared me because coming from being a lawyer, I knew nothing about sales. I knew nothing about marketing. So it forced me to learn all that. So it transferred easily into real estate, which I am grateful for because when I got into real estate at that time, I immediately got into short sales and I started helping people get out of a bad situation and I was able to do it 
um, having those skills in terms of being able to, and it wasn't really selling, but just in terms of marketing the real estate, what to do. So I really don't think I would have had those skills if I hadn't launched a shoe line and, and transferred that over. So I don't regret anything. I think it really helped me. So we are, and so you're already answering my final questions, but so you don't regret and you wouldn't change it. Uh, I love that, that a shoe line helped you to launch into real estate. And now I want to kind of shift gears. So you, you're getting out of the shoe business and you say, I'm going to follow my passion. What was it about real estate that was passionate for you? And I ask with all sincerity, meaning anyone can find passion in anything. And for me, I had grown up since 18 in real estate. So that was like my Wall Street, so to speak for you. And I was losing passion for that. And I wanted to get into something different. You found passion in real estate. What was it about it that was so incredible for you that you wanted to give up your shoe business to, to do real estate? Well, I think it was the timing. Um, because again, it was a time when, you know, we were coming upon a, a crisis in the housing market, you know, everything, the market was declining and I found a niche where I um, was, was able to help people. I understood, I think everything culminated right at that point in time. Okay. So I was able to negotiate with the banks. Um, doing short sales, I was able to, I understood what was going on. I, I, ironically enough, on Wall Street, I sat on the mortgage trading desk where they packaged deals when they sold, when loans were sold and they packaged. So I understood everything about what was going on in the market at that time. So you were on like the subprime packaging, you were on the, the mortgage-backed securities and all the stuff that went awry. Absolutely. You were not a part of it, but you were not a part of it, but I, I, I understood when everything started to come through the news. So. At that point time also, I also noticed that there were a lot of businesses that were starting up, um, lawyers and other businesses that were targeting families saying, hey, stay in your home, but pay us you know, $500 a month and we will help you to stop the foreclosure. And I thought that was, from where I stood, I thought it was ethically wrong and morally wrong. I'd agree with that. People would eventually end up foreclosing and they were using hard-earned money to to, to stay in something that was inevitable. Rather than finding a new pivot and a new solution and, and exactly. cutting the tie, ripping the bandaid off now and doing the right thing. So it's, not, it's not good for the banks or the economy anyway. It's like, exactly. It, it's scarier, but to have that hard cliff of it's time to cut the loss for the banks, for the, uh, for the property taxes, for the homeowners and everything. Um, so you said, here's somewhere I can contribute then. Here's somewhere I can make a difference. Did you, did you jump into it knowing who you wanted to serve in that category or just that you wanted to serve people in that category? No, I had no idea when I, when I started in real estate that that's where I would end up. I just, at that point, I saw the need. And in my office, literally, I became known as like the short sale queen. So everyone else was running away from short sales because they took so long. Realtors were used to a market that was booming where they would literally, I was in Florida. So literally people would walk a few years ago before this time, people would drive up, say, I want that house <laughs> and close in 20 to 30 days. And that's all realtors knew. So when this market started to shift, realtors didn't know what to do. And they were like, here, I don't want to wait nine months to get paid. I don't want to do this. And I literally, what I was working about 18 hours a day because I negotiated my own short sales. I was, I was talking to the banks. I got some clients money to move so that they were able to start over. Right. I got one woman $20,000 and she was ecstatic. 
I wanted people to know they were shocked when they found out, oh, I don't have to pay you first. And I was like, no, I don't get paid until we get your house sold. And hopefully I can get you a couple thousand dollars to help with moving expenses. So they were like, really? And you're helping them avoid short foreclosure. Helping to avoid foreclosure. And a lot of those families came back to me three or four years later to buy a house because they were, they were able to improve their finances, save the money again. They got new jobs. They improved their credit. They were like, okay, we're ready. So it was a fresh, clean start for people. Well, and I want people to hear the difference too. Like what you just described, Tamara, was brilliant. Um, you're, you're looking at an economy. You're looking at the, the landscape. And seeing there's two different options. There's the people who were saying, let me charge you to prolong and stay where you are, not really fix anything. But the lawyers were trying to give people what they, they thought they wanted. Oh, you want to stay in your house? I'll help you stay in your house for a while. But it actually makes things worse at the end. You provided a solution. You said, instead of paying me every month to get what you don't want, let me help you get out of it ethically, fast, uh, and to start fresh as fast as possible. And that's one of the greatest things people, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some a big recession coming sometime soon as we record this. We've been on an uptrend for nine years, but right. when it starts happening, one of the things people are scared about it is that fast drop. But the truth is as much pain as that is sometimes, it's almost like breaking up in a relationship. If you know right. that it's not the right relationship, it doesn't serve anyone to say, well, let's just hang out together for nine more months. Right or three more years, and then finally we'll just kind of go our separate ways. Like, you know what, rip the Band-Aid off in some cases. So you provide a value by ripping the Band-Aid off mm -hmm. and then serving them. And I love getting paid once you did your job. Absolutely. You that in, in business a lot. So Absolutely. What, what was the, the move from agent to broker? Because I realized I, I saw in your bio you have your, your broker. Um, yeah. That is a big difference. And you decided to set up your own shop. Um, I did. What, what brought you to that conclusion? Well, I'm, all, I'm the type of person, every five years, I have to take a look at where I am and see how I can grow and improve and move to the next level. So I always knew, actually, in Florida, you can get your broker's license after two years of being a realtor. So I went ahead and got my broker's license once I hit that two-year mark, but I didn't open my own company for until like three years later. Um, and I connected with a colleague that I'd known, and we talked a little bit, and we decided, hey, let's, let's open up a brokerage. Um, and we had to start at the time we had three or four realtors and, um, yeah, we got, we're no longer partners. Um, she decided to go back into mortgages, but I, I kept the real estate company and, um, yeah. And I, at the time I was really excited because I'm a teacher. I found out I'm a teacher by heart. <laughs> so I want to train and help people to build their business and to help them grow and become, you know, so they, that they can support themselves and their families. So for me, it was an, has been an enjoyable experience. You know, one of the things I've always loved uh, when I realized one of the ways I was built is like being a vision carrier. And when, when I, when I carry a vision that's strong enough, it becomes oftentimes a business, right? And then that allows people to rally around it. And it almost becomes magnetic. You seem like one of those magnetic people that when you have a vision or an idea, people can rally around it. So whether it's an online influence, whether it's a business, whether it's a new book, and I want to talk about that right now. You have uh, two things I want, I want to make sure I, I mention. You have a free report, eight common mistakes first-time homebuyers make and how to avoid them. So I want to hear briefly about that. And you can find that at TamraCeleste.com. We'll put a, a link in the show notes. If you're listening to this just uh, on the radio, it's TamraCeleste.com and get her free report, Eight Common Mistakes, First-Time Homebuyers Making How to Avoid Them. Um, who needs that? Obviously, first-time homebuyers. Yes. 
What, what's one of the biggest reasons to get that? Well, here's the thing. I wrote this book and I'm creating, you know, programs around this is because I really feel that home ownership is a path to wealth. Um, and building Couldn't wealth. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree yeah, more. Into building wealth. And even if you stop at your first home, a recent study just came out, and I apologize for not having the exact statistics and the exact amount, but I believe it's renters, um, they have a net worth of like $5,400, as opposed to homeowner, homeowners have a net worth on average of about $170,000. That's a huge disparity, a huge disparity. So I want women and their families, and this goes a lot of times it's single women, they may be single moms, and they think they cannot afford to buy a home. They think that their credit score, some, some of the myths I discussed there is you think you might, you have to have perfect credit to buy a home, and that's not necessarily true. Um, you think you have to have 20% down. There's so many programs that help with down payment assistance, and you don't have to be um, lower, lower income. Here in Palm Beach County, there's actually a program where you can make up to $110,000 a year and still qualify for home ownership assistance and down payment assistance. So, so you can make six figures and still get homeowners. You can make, yeah, you assistance. can make six figures and some, it just depends on the county and the program. So, um, you know, I want to be able to share that with people so that they can shift their mindset too. A lot of it is the buy homes, not shoes. It's not even just about buying shoes. It's like, what are you spending money on? Are you buying your kids $200 sneakers and saying, oh, I can't afford to do something else, but they're, you know, or you're going out, eating out every single night and things like that. So just little tweaks and well, your habits. So making new choices. And the book is yeah. called Buy Homes, Not Shoes or Other Stuff, A Woman's Guide to Buying Her First Home. We're going to put a link to your book on Amazon. It's number one bestseller, as well as if you go to TamaraCeleste.com, you can get the book directly from Tamara. We're just about out of time, Tamara. I have one more uh, last quick question. If you have any last piece of advice, uh, we got about 15 seconds. What's the thing you want us to know? I just want everyone to know that anything is possible. You can do it, whether it's buy a home, start a business, whatever you want to do, take little steps daily to get it done. Sage advice. Tamara, thank you so much for being on the show. I sure appreciate thank your time. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thanks again to Tamara Celeste for coming on the show. Um, we really, really appreciate your time. And I hope you love that interview. I thought that was uh, very insightful, very, uh, very interesting, honestly. Just um, what a wonderful, wonderful woman. Enjoyed my time with Tamara. Um, thank you for all the wisdom bombs. Guys, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to the show. If you want more of these great quality guests, if you want, like, help me help you. The more subscriptions, the more ratings and reviews, you know, the, the, the higher that shows up, the more people see that. And what happens is it's good for all of us because the easier that'll be for me to get access to great quality guests. People want to come on the show. Um, I have quite a lot of like inbox inflowing of people asking, but we want to get those really, really great quality entrepreneurs that are driven, that have a phenomenal backstory. And I want to tell the tale and let you find out who these people really are, what drives them, and how you can duplicate some of the same results in your life and your business. So thanks for supporting the show. I appreciate you. Make sure you follow on social media at Matt Browning, Instagram and Facebook, especially at Matt Browning. Um, that's where I'm going to be jumping on. And, you know, you'll see everything from pictures of me and my family to, you know, some nuggets of wisdom and leadership quotes uh, all the way to hopefully coming up soon where we're going to be having past guests coming back on and we'll be doing some live interviews and answering your questions. 
So jump on, message me there. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're enjoying about the show. I want to, uh, I want, I want your questions. Talk to me. Let, let, let's be friends together. Let's do this. Get out there as usual. Thanks for listening. But most importantly, crush it. <laughs>